0: of years ago I was asked to officiate at a ceremony of uh, renewal of wedding vows for a couple in a local community who had been uh, married for 70 years. Uh, They were in their 90s, both of them, and they they wanted at that time to celebrate uh, the life that they'd had together and renew this and re-go through this experience of uh, renewing their lives together. And just to show people that the love that they had had all those years ago had carried them through all the things that they had done and all their losses and all their griefs over the many years together. And so that was a really nice occasion to be part of, as you can imagine. And I was was thinking about it this week because in our reading today, uh, Jeremiah tells us as we heard that he woke up from a beautiful dream one morning and the dream he had was like that celebration of this marriage and renewal of vows that I took part in. Um, So Jeremiah, the prophet, had a dream that the Lord had spoken to him and told him that he was going to renew his promises to his people. He was going to save them and that everything was going to be all right. And, and that was a big deal for Jeremiah to hear because as we've been thinking about his prophecies over the last few weeks and we've seen that most of the time when God spoke to Jeremiah, what he heard was not very comforting at all. Okay, so we introdu- when we introduced Jeremiah the first week, I said he's become known as the weeping prophet. And he was a man whose entire calling was essentially to tell people around him that bad things were going to happen to them quite soon. And so he was, his calling was to warn the leaders and people of Judah that they were heading for destruction. And this is something that happened. So in 587 BC, the city of Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonian army and many of the people in, the, in that town were taken away into exile. And Jeremiah was there. He saw this happen and he understood it at the time. that This is a judgment by God on these people. And so this experience of the exile was the lowest point in Jeremiah's, in the history of Jeremiah's people. And it really challenged their faith in the goodness of God and his love for them. And last week we saw that Jeremiah told these people who were taken away into Babylon that their role now was to settle themselves down and to become exiles and to accept that position for a while. Actually for an entire lifetime, for 70 years, they were not going to come back home. So what they needed to do in that time was wait, to reflect on what had happened together and as we discussed last week, there's time to start to repent from what what had led them there and to hope in God for the future. And so those 70 years, the exile was actually a very sad time as you can imagine for those people and it was a kind of a quiet time in their history, sort of like the quietness of a town we might see after a hurricane's come through and knocked everything over and then it's quiet. One of the Psalms in our Bible was actually written to describe the feeling that the exiles had. So if you read Psalm 137, and this was made into a song that many of you will know, it wrote, By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy, they said sing us one of the songs of Zion. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while we're in a foreign land? It's one of the saddest parts of the Bible, that psalm. Um, And Jeremiah knows that this time of sadness, of weeping, is actually going to come. But in the midst of that sadness, as we heard, he has this pleasant dream, a word of comfort from God. So what does God actually say to him in this time? There are two main things that I can see in this passage in the terms of the promises that God makes to Jeremiah. And both of them are introduced by the phrase, the days are coming. So the days are coming. And so the first thing that he says to Jeremiah, verses 27 to 30, he says that there's, the, the days are coming when the nation is actually going to be reinstated. They will be replanted in their homeland like a new tree that's been planted after the old one has been torn up and, burn, and burnt or mulched and to, to nothingness. And this is also, so there's a promise. The day are coming when you will, days are coming when you will return from exile. And that was quite an astonishing promise for them to hear, because at that time, it was actually quite rare for people who'd been taken away like this to ever come back. So generally, if you were conquered by as a nation, you'd be taken away and kind of absorbed into the empire that conquered you, never to be seen again as a distinct group. But no, the nation of Judah, God says, is going to be brought back into the land. And there's also an assurance that he gives that in that time, things are going to be different. And the things that led them into exile, uh, there was was going to be the sense that they'd been cleared away and paid for with a new start. So there would no longer be the sense that these people were paying for the accumulated sins of their parents and their grandparents, but they were responsible only now for what they did themselves going forward. So that's what Jeremiah means, I think, when he talks about, you know, he says, um, parents eating sour grapes won't set their children's teeth on edge anymore. So that won't happen, you know, you'll, you'll get what is your own consequences, it'll be like a fresh start. And so that was this restoration promise that God made, and it's a huge one for these people. In the story of the Old Testament, it's parallel only really to the story of the Exodus from Egypt, uh, back a thousand years or so before this. God's people were in captivity, and were going to be, but they were going to be set free and be able to go home to their promised land. So leaving Babylon was like leaving Egypt had been. And again, there's a psalm that speaks about the feeling that they had when that happened, when the exile came back. So if you read Psalm 126, they speak about the feeling that they had when this happened. It says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. It was like a dream when they came home. So the psalm, and that psalm goes on to pray to God. Well, you've done that. So continue to restore our fortunes. Keep restoring us. And he says, do do so like the streams in the Negev. And I want want to just get get you into that image a bit. It's a powerful one. So the Negev is actually a desert in southern Israel, and it's it's got these dry river courses that run through it. Most of the time, it's completely uh, void of water at all. But every now and again, big rains come, and these rivers are literally um, recreated in a matter of minutes. Um, with the water pouring down out of nowhere like a flood. And so that's this kind of image that he's saying this is what it's going to be like. So I'm going to show you a video of what it looks like when the Negev floods. So I imagine this is kind of the dream that Jeremiah had. This is what's going to happen to your people one day. that The streams will come. You know, we know in Australia what drought can be like. Uh, we've experienced that in recent years. Imagine what it would be like if we had a drought that lasted for 70 years and how we would feel uh, when, the, when the water came down in a massive flood and, and broke it in a matter of minutes. So this is the feeling and this is the vision that Jeremiah had about what God was going to do for his people. Um, but it's only, that's only the first promise he got. They were going to be returned and restored. But there was even a deeper promise Of what was going to happen when they did come back the days are coming so he says the days are coming declares the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah it won't be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant although I was a husband to them declares the Lord this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time declares the Lord I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts I will be their God and they will be my people." Now that's a very significant passage, it's one of the most important passages in the Old Testament uh, because it says what's going to happen in the future and it sets up the whole rest of the Bible. It says that everything that God's people have experienced and known up to this point about how they relate to God and each other is going to change and be transformed in this future time. And it's really important for us as Christians to understand what it means um, for our own experience of God. So. Jeremiah's looking forward to a new covenant. So what's the new covenant that he's looking forward to? It's best, I think, to contrast it to the old covenant first. So in biblical terms, the old covenant is the system of laws and of worship that the nation of Israel was founded on. So the Ten Commandments, the most most famous. Um, And it was the description we find mostly in the first five books of the Bible of this way of life that God's people were supposed to live, the conditions that they were to uh, have that would allow them to have the presence of God living, in, living with them. And so a covenant, of course, is like a contract between people. And so in this case, the, the Old Covenant is an agreement between God and his people about how they're going to live together. And Jeremiah talks in our passage about it like a marriage. He says God was like a husband to the Israelites and they made promises to each other. Now in the Old Covenant, if you read through the books, there are lots of laws there and we've talked about them a number of times in this series. But there are really only two main areas that we said in the Old Covenant the great commandment that we see, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbour as yourself. This was, the, this was the promise that they'd made. And as we've seen previously for Jeremiah, that was the problem he identified with his nation in, in Judah was that they hadn't kept this covenant. They hadn't done that, they had broken it, they hadn't loved God or loved their neighbour and they'd experienced the consequences of that. And that was why they are in exile. Now the problem with, that they had is, and the question that arises for them, well, if we're going to come back from exile, as God promises. How, will it, how could it be that things are going to be different than they were before? You know, We're the same people that we were. will not we just go back and break it again? Um, and that's where the new covenant comes in, because what it recognises is that the heart of the problem in the world is not the systems, it's not the laws, it's not the institution, it's not the, the exterior stuff. It's actually the problem is in our hearts, it's in us. And so the new covenant, is actually a promise that god is going to transform people from within he says this is the covenant i will make i will put their law my law in their minds and write it on their hearts there's a new thing going to happen now it's a very radical promise and it's one of the most radical ideas in the history of uh, religion because what jeremiah is saying is that god is looking for his people now, not just for outer behaviour, good things that they've done, not just religious activities, however sincerely undertaken. All those things now, all these laws and things in the Old Covenant are now going to be transferred into us. They're going to be transferred into the hearts and minds of people. And so what that means is instead of the presence of God in the future going to be in a room in the temple, which you approach through a series of rituals, in this holy of holies, uh, God is now going to live in the hearts of his people. So our hearts will become the holy of holies where God lives. So that's what the new covenant is saying. The heart of his people is going to be the holy of holies now. It's a completely different way of thinking about this. And instead of God's laws being written on tablets of stone or in books that you can go and look up, they're going to be written in the the deepest part of of God's people's minds so they can live them uh, out of themselves. So we'll know God from the inside out. And so the new covenant, it means it can exist outside the temple, it can exist where the laws are not uh, known or written properly, um, and it's a different way of being the people of God. And so now Jer- Jeremiah received this promise and he wrote it down, but he probably didn't really understand what, how it would come about because it's, it's such a big promise. And it's clear that the rest of the people of Judah didn't either, even when they did come back from exile, and they actually just kept waiting for this promise to be fulfilled, this second promise of God. And they did wait a while, but it did come eventually. And that's why, of course, the New Testament is called the New Testament in our Bibles. Because New Testament is just another word for covenant, the New Covenant. And so what we see in the New Testament is the fulfillment of this promise to Jeremiah by Jesus himself. So Jesus takes this old covenant. He loves God and his neighbor as he should but then initiates a new covenant, which is different. And that's, it's described extensively throughout the New Testament of, of, of this. But particularly if you read the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament, um, it actually quotes this passage that we've read from Jeremiah. Not once, but twice. Um, To describe what jesus achieved through his death and his resurrection so hebrews says this old covenant the law and the temple they were like a shadow of what was going to come when jesus brought in a new covenant and because of him god is now able to transform people's hearts and minds from within and we spoke about this last week of course on pentecost sunday because the promise of the new covenant is the promise that we're going to be able to experience god's holy spirit living in us and changing us and we ask god for that Last week we asked it, hopefully, every day. Um, and that's the new covenant. And so it's just open to everyone everywhere now. Okay? So this is the big promise that Jeremiah had. And so as we think about these two promises of God, well, I think we can, what we can hope we can take away from it is how does these promises apply to us today? Um, how do we take them into our own life? Because they're still promises that God has made to his people. Because what we've been trying to say, I think, through this series, is when you read Jeremiah, we're not just hearing the story of what happened a long time ago in, the, in Judah. We actually have written out for here actually a pattern of how we experience God in times of decline, difficulty, and also renewal in our lives, in our relationship with him today. And because there's a, there's a kind of story that repeats itself over and over again uh, in, the, in nations, in churches, in families, and in our own lives. So the story is that, you know, we're made to live with integrity, to love God, love our neighbour, to live his way. But we don't do that. And so our lives and the lives and the communities around us fall apart. And that can happen very quickly for us individually. For cultures and nations, it usually takes a couple of hundred years. But you get to the same point. Um, God allows this to happen because the, you know, the truth needs to be seen of our lack of integrity. And so sometimes at various points we find ourselves, as the Judeans did, in exile. You know, we've lost what we value, we're far away from where we were, alienated from where we want to be, lost on the way uh, through life. And in that exile as they did, we have time to wait and to reflect on how we got there and to weep. And so people, in here, people here today, you might actually hear that and go, well, actually, maybe I'm in exile in some way today, or I know people who are, or, or we are in exile. Um, we may be in exile, perhaps, if our family has fallen apart. That's the experience of being a while far away from home. Or, we, or perhaps the mistakes that we've made have caught up with us, we've lost our job or our business has collapsed. That's, that's being in exile. Perhaps the political party we support has been defeated and we hoped that they were going to do things, but they're not going to. That's an experience of exile. Um, perhaps the church is in exile. You know, we thought things were going to be different, but they're not. Or it's a difficult time. I had it was a period of my own exile when I was about probably 21 to 23, a couple of years there in my life, and some of the poor decisions I made in university about how I was going to get through life, that left me at the end of that with a sense of um, a lack of, lack of purpose or direction. I didn't know what I was going to do. I kind of ended up in this hole in my life at the end of um, when I finished my degree. And so that was an interesting time for me. It was kind of a quiet time. I did, had, no, had no, nowhere to be nothing to do and no sense of where I was going to go. But that was actually a time um, when God actually did sort of bring these promises to me uh, in, a, in a new way and it was sort of said actually that you need me, Andrew, and you need a new heart. You need the spirit you need to actually move forward in your life with me um and also there's a new purpose that i have for you which is to take up a vocation and you know i wouldn't be here today if i hadn't been that time of exile because that was the time when god said maybe maybe you need to think about serving me in the church um and so that was an exile time for me but it actually brought in me into a new stage a new purpose of my life and so All of us can be in exile at times, and maybe we are today. And so in the midst of that, the natural response, which is great, is to be like the people of Judah in Psalm 137 and just sit down and recognise that that's happening, to weep by the rivers of Babylon, because things are not the way they should be. And so that can be a long period of weeping. You know, For the Judeans, it was 70 years. But uh, Jeremiah reveals to us that the purpose of that time is to allow something new to emerge so god has plans for restoration in our lives and of course the great example of that that we see is the resurrection of jesus isn't it so i mean he died and he was in the tomb for several days that's this quiet time but out of that came the new life for the whole world and so that's a pattern we can see in our own life so and it helps us to understand what to do so if we're in exile at the moment the challenge is not to wallow and not to wallow in despair to lash out in anger or to lose hope but to wait with god for the word from him what is next what comes out of this what's what's the new thing and that might be something different than came before like the new covenant when jesus came that was new because and i think the new covenant is our another takeaway apart from this pattern, is the new takeaway for our lives this morning. Because Jeremiah shows us that sometimes, and not all the time, but sometimes the devastation of our lives, exile, is actually comes about in order to strip away from us our reliance on our external achievements and the structures that we've put our faith in, and instead actually to come and seek a deeper interior transformation of our hearts with God. That God wants something deeper from us than the old covenant. You know, just doing the right thing, but having him in our hearts. And that's the difficult truth of the spiritual life. That God's people sometimes go into exile because that's the only way they'll learn to listen to what God wants to say to them. And they have the time to do that. And so the hope is, you know, when we return from exile, we're actually looking for something deeper than we had when we left, as the people of Judah were. They want something more. Seeking for the Holy Spirit. And... Seeking that our motivations and the integrity that we have in our lives will be renewed, and the possibility is then you follow Christ on a renewal path upward into God's life, rather than getting into the cycle of decline again. Unfortunately, the people of Judah did. Um, that's a shame, but uh, Jesus did come, you know, with the message of hope for the whole world. And we're going to look next term what does it mean to work on this renewal process in our own lives. So you can see this pattern in Judah, uh, sorry, in, in Jeremiah: failure, decline, exile, but then. Renewal. And that's a kind of life cycle of God's people. And so today it's a good to question ourselves you know, where are we on this pattern? If we're in the midst of failure and decline, is this time to repent and change our ways you know, before we head into exile? If we're in exile, you know, is it time to look forward? Well, what's God going to bring out of this? Can I seek forgiveness, restoration, renewal from God now? And if we're in a time of renewal, have we learned through this? What does it mean to actually seek God, to be having his law written on our hearts and minds now in a new way? And the journey with the Jesus and the Holy Spirit, this journey of renewal, it's completely different to the journey that comes before it. And so Jesus is calling all of us today to enter into the new covenant with him. It's open for all of us. I like us just to spend a minute a couple of minutes with god reflecting on that where are we at the moment are we in a period of exile and if we are is it can we sit with god and and let that be and ask for his restoration so we're going for the next few minutes we're going to listen to a song which is psalm 126 it's going to be sung um on screen and um just a chance to to ask this prayer lord restore our fortunes like he did those that streams in the desert as they sing So let's just spend a few minutes reflecting and bring our lives to God now before.